Wish TV is focused on family and the community and is committed to sharing the stories of those who are making a difference every day. From the All Indiana Podcast Network and Wish TV, this is Behind the Eight Podcast with Wish TV's George Mallet. Welcome to the Behind the Eight Podcast. I'm George Mallet, your host. You know what those of us on television do. But what about the people behind the scenes? Specifically, what about photojournalists who are out there in the trenches every day defending the people's right to know? In a moment, we're going to talk to longtime photojournalist Marcus Collins. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And we're joined now by longtime Wish TV photojournalist Marcus Collins. Marcus is now embarking on his 33rd year here yep. at Wish TV, correct? Exactly, exactly. So, Walk me through some of the high points. You've been out there, you've seen it all, you've been to the crime scenes, you've been to the political ruffles. Oh, yeah. I've, um, I've been uh, working here, like you say, at Wish TV for 33 years. Um, started off with some of the fun stuff, the uh, Dick Wolsey, um and I both actually started on the same day when we decided to try and do try our new hand at um, news in the morning with daybreak. Mm -hmm. That was uh, our venture. One of the things we had to do was go out and find things happening in the, the Indianapolis area at five in the morning. And it was uh, it was pretty uh, unique. It was a fun thing to do. We found folks who were willing to get up and do <laughs> a lot of things, um, to, you know, to help show their product and whatever else. But um, more than just working with Wolfsey and, and Barney, his dog, I was able to do a lot of things. Um, mainly some of the stuff I was able to do were, like you said, the political rallies. Um, I've been able to be here for different presidents coming in through town, and we traveled to go catch these presidents, or uh, even just a regular local uh, election, um, following the governors and the mayors and their races, and some of the senators asking for votes and whatever. Um, I've seen some really good political campaigns. I've seen some really bad ones, but then I've also seen some things that kind of would take you back. Like one of the um, elections I attended, it was more than just an election, but it was like a vote of some sort. I, I covered a Klan rally. Um, and the thing is, as some folks might know, I am an African-American. And so uh, down at the uh, Indiana State House, uh, they were doing a rally on their steps. And uh, their Grand Dragon uh, was saying, it's a whole new clan. We do things differently. We're not like that anymore. And uh, everyone is welcome to come to my cross burning, our cross burning tonight. Wow. And I said, everybody? <laughs> and he goes, everybody. I said, so if I show up, you're going to let me in. He goes, if you show up, we will let you in. So what, what era are we talking about here? Oh, man. Uh, uh, mid nineties. Okay. Mid nineties. Uh, it was uh, uh, around ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. So, so at that point, the the clan had become arguably a little more PR savvy, perhaps. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and they were dealing with um, 
trying to change their image, I guess. And uh, I went to the Klan rally, and uh, the gentleman at the gate was like, I'm sorry, sir, you really can't come in. And Nemo pulls up, the Grand Dragon gets out, he goes, I promised him he can come in. I also found out that there were a lot of people who were um, not too happy, uh-huh. but there were a couple of folks who were uh, working with um, state police that were there. Uh-huh. They were like, you're fine. We got your back. I shot the story, and uh, I did my best to be not become the story. And, right. and, and that's the whole thing about being a, lot, you know, being a photojournalist. You get, a, you get a chance to really kind of immerse yourself in it. If you are trying to tell the story properly, you really want to hear what the people have to say, or you want to see it through their eyes. And um, taking time to stop talking long enough to hear what they have to say, so then you could put this... At that, when I first started on film, <laughs> and then put it on videotape, and then on disc, and now on um, SD cards. Well, so we're, since we're talking specifics, and you mentioned presidents, uh, what presidents have you have you covered? Uh, have you had the opportunity to shake the hand of any president of the United States? Um, actually. Um, Ran across um, Clinton, the end of the Clinton era, uh, when they were uh, starting to change over things. Um, I was able to, uh, we went to Illinois to catch Barack Obama when he first ran, Mm -hmm. which was awesome, uh, seeing the the people that turned out for that. And it was fun. And actually was able to, he came through and he shook our hands and, uh, you know, the Secret Service was not happy, you know, because what they'd make you do is put all of your equipment in and then they pull you all out and then they right. check everything and then they let you come back in and stay by your camera. And then he came out and he goes, hey, how's it going, guys? He started shaking their hands. They were like, get away from those people. <laughs> They're <Okay>. media. <laughs> my, my experience with the Secret Service always seems to be that I end up taped in some corner somewhere with no access to a men's room. That's... <laughs> and and. Oh, and you know, and they've come into town. You know, they, you know, even when you know Trump has come into town here in Indianapolis, it, it is just really enjoyable, also, to be able to be a part of that kind of atmosphere. You know, because we have to get approved. So if I'm out at the airport when uh, you when Air Force One lands, Air Force One lands, you get out there, uh, like you said, they tape you down, they give you a little square. You know, I'm like. Really, you know, I'm like just right at six foot, and you've given me a four by four box to stand in. That's it. Don't yep. move. Um, we watch the plane land, and then we watch, you know, from the um, the vice presidents. You know, um, I've seen, you know, I've been around, um, you know, Vice President Pence since he was governor, and um, my wife uh, went to church uh, where his uh, wife was my daughter's. Um, um, my stepdaughter's um, Sunday school teacher. I mean, so, you know, it's like they've, we've, they've known him for years. We've known him for years. And it was really cool to see him get the access to Air Force and fly in and land and walk through. So if, if you were, we were talking about presidents, I mean, the, the Klan rally was obviously very memorable for you. Yeah. What are some of the other most, the, the, the stories that just stick in your mind? You know, like I said, I've had a chance to see the good and the bad of everybody. Um, even though I went to that Klan rally, I felt more scared for me and my reporter 
uh, several summers ago, I mean, several, I can't remember the year of this, actually, uh, there was a reporter and I, we were on 38th in uh, college. There was a riot situation where a police officer had chased um, a young man to his home and was trying to arrest him, and his mom jumped on the officer's back, and then he shoved the mom back, and people got really, it got really ugly, and got to a point where they were uh, throwing rocks, stopping cars, pulling people out of cars, fighting, and um, we were trying to cover, and I had um, young men who lived in the neighborhood, they were like, you know, hey, you know, you're a sellout, you know, you're black, you're working for them, why are you doing that, you know, we're going to take that camera from you, we're going to beat up you and your reporter, and I was like going, you know, we're here trying to tell your story, trying to show what's going on here in the neighborhood, and you're acting like I'm the enemy, well, you are, because you're working for them, and it, it, it was kind of like, um, I, I've seen really bad situations like that, but then, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Patty Spittler. Yeah. I've had some fantastic, great moments. Um, I would do uh, stories with her where we would do uh, interviews with movie stars and fun folks. You know, I met Robin Williams, um, and one day he came in, and he didn't want to talk about the movie, but he talked about everything else. And he was, he talked about everything else, anything that he that just popped into his head. And then he goes, oh, yeah, um, Patch Adams, that's the movie I'm working on. See it. And then he walked out of the room. And you know, we were in there for 30 minutes. <laughs> we were like, uh, oh, okay. Um, Morgan Freeman. I've had these fun, fun moments with Patty. And I've had some, like I said, some really good stuff um, and some pretty negative stuff. So, But I've seen the good and bad of everybody. Now, photojournalism is arguably changing dramatically. Um, you know, we're all shooting with our phones now. Yeah. And, and you're actually able to get, um, you know, some some quality, some okay video. It's not like a photojournalist would shoot with an iPhone. Um, Well, they have the opportunity to be there at the moment. There are times when, uh, you know, we get report, uh, hey, a plane went down in this cornfield. Well, we get there and the plane's there and usually, unfortunately, if there's any fatalities, well, we're just trying to cover, we're doing aftermath. But there now times there is someone who was standing in the Walmart parking lot next to that capture this plane coming down now. And like you said, uh, news directors and owners are saying, okay, get that video, put it on, you know, and like you said, the quality of phones nowadays, why not? You know, that is something that a lot of them lean towards going ahead and using what video we can to help tell that story. It has limited some of the stuff that I get a chance to do because I would go out to that cornfield and I'd have to tell you that story without the plane coming out of the sky. So you had to be creative. I had to be creative. And now folks just point it, aim it, shoot it, we'll drop it in. Um, I, I guess my question is, is it frustrating at all? Or do, do you feel like there is less appreciation for what qualified photojournalists do now in this age when nearly anything uh, is considered broadcast worthy? Yeah. There is. Um, I'll just say it. Um, I had a news director that one time stepped in and said, as she picked up the camera in the newsroom, she kind of said, any monkey can pick a camera up and shoot it. And I remember, and all of the photographers who were really, you know, running around and trying to pull things together for that, for this uh, event that was happening, and she picked up the camera and she put it on her shoulder and started shooting. And I thought to myself, 
wow, you know, you really don't appreciate what I do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, as she was trying to shoot this, she turned, I remember, and she looked, and I could tell she was running into some trouble. Yeah. And I was like, you might want to call that monkey you were talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, they're not, it's not just there either. You know, they're, like you said, people at home see it. They go, oh, wow, you know, I could do that. You know, or, and, and America Funny Videos and all these, you know, TikToks and so much YouTube. It's everywhere. And so people just think, hey, I can just shoot and I can do all this. Um, I've had people say, hey, I uh, was trying to shoot my kid's graduation, but I told them I'd take care of it and everything. And, and it's horrible video. Can you fix it? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not, it's not after the fact. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, you know, uh, tripod, focus, you know, f-stop. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of training that goes into being a photojournalist, audio, listening, lighting. I mean, there's a lot that we have, um, we hone in on, our, we sharpen. And, and I, I would add for our audience that those of you who have chosen this as a profession are very passionate about it. Oh, yes. Uh, and when you come back uh, with a good story or, or video that's sequenced in such a way to tell that story well, you're excited about it. And you're proud of that. I am. I am. And uh, you find yourself even when you're driving home, you know, look at something, you look at things differently. Um, my wife teases me about how quick my eyes are. She goes, I have selective hearing, but she goes, she goes, you know, we go, we'll drive and I watch your eyes. You don't just watch the car in front of you. You look into the side, you look, you look behind you, look, and then I'm always trying to figure out what you're looking for. And then she goes, oh, you're looking for another story. You're always, you're not just taking us to our location. You're looking for a story. And I do, because as we drive around through Indianapolis or around the world, whatever else, we're always looking to, we're always looking for a way to tell a story, tell their story. You know, I'm sure back in, in the day, I was sitting around a campfire telling the king and the queen what was happening on, you know, <laughs> playing my lute and saying, this is what's going on. No, but I am a, I'm a storyteller. And we have a thing called a voice, um, uh, uh, like um, uh, a Nat sound pieces. Right. And um, I love going out. And don't get me wrong, I love working with a reporter, but I love going out and letting the person whoever this story is about letting them tell you their story from beginning to end um and just for my audience and that sound piece is a is a piece that is not tracked by a reporter it's the photojournalist alone telling that story through through natural sound and and and, and creative editing uh, i wonder uh, as we wrap this up what advice you would have for young people who look at what you do and think that would be pretty cool. I'd like to do that. Is there still opportunity for a young person to become um, uh, a skilled photojournalist? Well, I really don't know how the industry's going. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if you want to still do this kind of a thing, to you know, brush up on, not just brush up, but then also learn all the as- aspects of journalism from the writing and understanding composition of writing, shooting. All this has to come together. Now, if you get a chance then to be just a photojournalist and you could tell that story that way, that's fantastic. But nine times out of 10 now, um, like our numbers, we used to have 22 photographers downstairs. Uh, I think we are at nine because now we have... Um, 
MMJs. Right. And media journalists. Exactly. And they are the ones that go out and tell the story themselves, go out and build their own story, edit their story. And then the majority of the time I might help them edit, but I do the live shots. I do a lot of the tying up of the end of the story, you know, mm-hmm. so when they're need, needing to be live out in the park where uh, the fight took place. Or the, or the body was found. I just run the live truck nowadays. Uh, there are times when I still get a chance to go out and tell a story with a reporter, but the majority of the time of that, they still want them to edit it. So it's something, if you really want to be a part of it, you still can. Um, it's, it's changed, yeah. but the whole um, aspect of uh, storytelling and getting that point across and letting the world know what is out there, it still, still exists. He is Marcus Collins, long-serving photojournalist here at Wish TV. Marcus, thanks for joining us. Thank you for asking. From the All Indiana Podcast Network. This is Behind the Eight Podcast with Wish TV's George Mallet. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And connect for even more on Facebook and at wishtv.com. <laughs>